0: I get angry <laughs> right at you when you tap the table. Like this? Yeah.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast. I'm Todd Mack, here with Joseph Dorowski. And uh, each week we look at a great character and a great story, and this week we're excited to be joined by my friend, Angela becerra Vidergar. And uh, Angela, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what you like to be known for?
2: Sure. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, Probably the most pertinent thing right now is that I am the host of my own podcast called The Human Angle, which you can find on SoundCloud or iTunes U or humanangle.org. And it's basically a podcast about research being done in the humanities and how it pertains to our everyday lives and things that we all care deeply about. And I'm also a literary scholar and really interested in all kinds of cultural things and pop cultural things and really, really geeky things.
1: Awesome. We're really happy to have you here. Angela and I were friends at Stanford and we are still friends, even though I'm not at Stanford anymore. (laughs) So, today we're going to talk about Richard Castle from the television series Castle. We're looking at The Wrong Stuff, the 16th episode of the seventh season. This episode was written by Terry Edda Miller and directed by Paul Holohan. Holohan? Holohan. Holohan.
0: That's what I was thinking. But...
1: Uh, Richard Castle's played uh, famously by Nathan Fillion. Um, and we will have a great conversation about him, I'm sure. All right,
0: Uh, some notes about the series. While not nominated for Emmys or Golden Globes, uh, Castle, the series, and also various cast members have won several uh, People's Choice Awards. And about the writer, Terry Etta Miller is married to the creator of Castle, Andrew W. Marlowe. And besides having written 12 episodes, she's also an executive producer on the series. And Paul Hollahan has directed nine episodes of Castle and directed episodes of many, many other TV series, including Ugly Betty, Burn Notice, and White Collar. Um, So it seems like both of them are kind of regulars in the in the writing and directing side of Castle. Uh, I guess usually we address how we came to Castle. So Angela, I guess we'll ask you first, how did you come to watch the series Castle?
2: Well, for me, it was all about Nathan Fillion. Um, (laughs) I gotta be straight up honest about that. Um, I'd been a fan of his uh, since I watched Firefly and had kind of uh, followed what he'd been up to, I guess. And when I heard that he was going to be on a primetime show and playing a mystery writer, of course, I was thrilled and definitely watched from episode one and i don't think i've missed an episode since
1: wow that's dedication
2: yeah. <laughs> it is is it does it sound a little stalkery i'm not sure it, it, it's
0: pretty easy when you can just set series record on the DVR. do you so happen to do you happen
1: to have one of those um captain tight pants t-shirts from the con from the from the <laughs> one of my friends has like one one of my friends has a nathan Fillion t-shirt that says captain tight pants
2: Oh, no, I don't. But I, I kind of want to get um, the Captain Hammer t-shirt.
1: Oh, Do from you... uh, Dr. Horrible Do... sing-along blog.
2: Exactly. That's when you know you're a Nathan Fillion fan. All right.
0: <laughs> That's one we'll probably have to talk about on the podcast at some point. <laughs> um, I am actually quite similar. The, I, probably the only reason I was watching this is because of Nathan Fillion. I will, you know how there's certain actors or actresses that once you've seen them in one thing and you love them in that, you'll follow them. At least like you'll have interest in what they have coming up next and it was the same it was firefly uh and after that i was willing to follow you know and just look in on any project that it was involved in and um you know so it's similar we just hit the season record for castle after the first few episodes we're like okay this works i mean it's not the most innovative of all tv series there's a lot of other shows that are similar but nathan fillion's charm just makes this one very enjoyable to watch um and I, i think a lot of the other cast is also solid um but if you want to watch you know mystery, crime-solving shows. You have plenty of options on all the networks, but if it weren't for Nathan Fillion, I probably wouldn't be watching this one. So that's probably why we're talking about Richard Castle <laughs> as we address this series.
1: And I have also been watching this for a long time. I don't... I I think I missed probably the first... Maybe the first half of the first season? Or maybe almost the entire first season? I know. Strike me down now. but uh...
2: <laughs> I'm about to.
1: <laughs> but uh, but I have been watching it for quite a long time. I think my sister recommended it to me, um, and it, the premise sounded interesting. I did not know Nathan Fillion was in it. Um, I had seen Firefly. I don't think I'm I'm quite as devoted to Firefly as <laughs> some uh, people that I know, possibly <laughs> on this possibly, very podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but um, but I have really enjoyed Castle. Throughout the time that I've been watching it, uh, for a lot of the time, uh, a, a lot of my memories of especially early Castle are running on a treadmill, uh, training for a marathon, like long, like fourteen mile runs on a treadmill, <laughs> just <laughs> binge watching Castle, and um, and so yeah, I've, it's there's some great great memories. I I have really really enjoyed Castle uh, throughout, and we're in season seven now. Yes. Yeah, guess this is the seventh season.
0: Uh, actually, I think my love for Firefly, and I may have mentioned this on an earlier podcast, in some ways it kind of colors my appreciation of Castle because I like Castle, but I loved him in Firefly, and I'd rather be watching him in Firefly <laughs> than him <laughs> on Castle. Uh, so while I'm enjoying Castle, I kind of wish that Firefly was still happening. You know, I I'd trade those two out if I could.
2: Yeah, I think everybody does, you know. And w- one of the things I like about Castle is that they know that and they kind of throw you a bone once in a while. Like in the, in the was it the first season Halloween episode where, um, he came out in his Halloween costume and it was, he was dressed as his character from Firefly. Yeah. I don't remember that pl- season, but I remember that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And they played a clip of the music. It was great.
0: <laughs> his only explanation for what the costume was, was just space cowboy. I'm a space Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I guess this episode if uh, that we're going to be talking about is called The Wrong Stuff. Um, Maybe we should do, should, should I do a quick... Yeah, why don't you do a shorter
1: synopsis? So, well, just Castle in general. So, um, it's the story of a guy named Richard Castle. He is a mystery writer. He writes um, murder mysteries. And uh, at the very beginning of the series, um, he uh it has some writer's block and he finds a way through his connections because he's very successful and rich uh to get permission to shadow the NYPD's uh some detectives and hopes in hopes that he will gain some inspiration from them uh it just so happens that the detective that he gets to follow is Kate Beckett who is um uh a woman a very attractive woman that he is uh attracted to and immediately there's like just great chemistry between them uh she works with uh two of her partners um uh, Ryan and Esposito and there just is um really great uh chemistry between I- among the people in the cast and uh most episodes of Castle are just uh there's a murder and then they go and they work together to solve it. Uh, Beckett is very kind of analytic. Uh, she likes to focus on the facts of the case. Uh, she's always looking for evidence. And Castle, because he is a uh, mystery writer, he's very into uh, sort of creating the story in his head. And if I were writing this, then this is who the this is who the killer would be. And they they turn out to be a really great team. Um, and so and then there are long arcs that go oh, across seasons uh and and sometimes across multiple seasons um and I, personally i think i think if we were if we were to talk about like the very very best episodes of castle i think that they're all tied into those long arcs they're usually the beginning early in a season and late in a season um and the the episode that we're talking about tonight is more like classic Castle, which would be one of these in between kind of self contained episodes. Does that is that fair?
2: Yeah. yeah, I would say that's fair.
0: And I mean, like so many of these crime shows that populate much of our our television uh, in prime time on the main networks, the these these uh, self contained episodes you usually get um, like the murder takes you into some subculture. You know, for for that one episode, you're being introduced into you know skater subculture or um, you know, artist subculture for a little while, or you know, just uh, some group that is something defines them that's separate from what you would normally see. And for the episode, you kind of see the the inner dynamics of the subculture for a little while as they're trying to find uh, the murderer and they're following all these leads. And then at the end of the episode, it all gets wrapped up, and you don't see any of the characters that you met in that episode ever again. <laughs> you just have the main cast.
1: All right. So if that sounds interesting to you. Um, you could go on Netflix and watch all seven seasons of Castle to get caught up to where we are.
0: <laughs> probably six right now, and the seventh will be added at some point after.
1: <laughs> are we in six now? Uh,
0: seventh oh, is Oh, well, there, so, yeah, yeah, okay,
1: yeah, so six is, there are six seasons on, but, uh, probably if you want to actually listen to this podcast, you should just go to Hulu <laughs> <laughs> and watch, uh, the wrong stuff.
0: Or abc.com, it's still up on or there.
1: Or abc.com, um, they're, they're up there right now, and, uh. And so this is episode which? Uh, it is
0: the 16th episode of the 7th season. Episode
1: 16, season 7, the wrong stuff. And uh, ah. it's the right stuff.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so spoiler zone now. I'm going to give a little more in-depth uh, description of this episode. It will probably be remembered as the Mars mission episode. Uh, because it it opens without any explanation of what looks like a manned mission on Mars, and a man is outside in a spacesuit uh, doing a repair when suddenly he looks to the side and screams, and we get shots of the crew inside of a space shuttle looking shocked, and then it goes from there to what looks like kind of laser robots having a fight and again we're, we haven 't given any real context yet, and then you realize it is castle 's Uh, daughter is playing laser tag in his apartment and we kind of get zapped back now into the more traditional castle setting as he walks in and he's upset that she's been playing laser tag without him and then also, uh, Castle is also his. His mother lives in the apartment, and she comes down, and she's had a gentleman friend with her, and he's so he's feeling very cramped and uh, like there's he doesn't have enough space as he and his wife Beckett, uh, who are married at this point in the series, uh, spoiler warning again, <laughs> <laughs> um, are, are coming home and kind of feeling overwhelmed because they just got done with the day day's work trying to solve murders, uh, and he's about to say something to everyone when suddenly she gets a page that says Castle, there's a murder, so they they head right back out. And uh, they go to, it looks like a NASA kind of setting, and they're all kind of like a little confused about why they're here. And he's looking at the video footage. He's like, that's Mars. There's a secret mission to Mars. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) And they're shown on the video feed, I think, a body there. And Becca's just like, this is outside our jurisdiction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that's when they're told this is a simulation for uh, a private venture that's trying to be the first... Uh, mission to mars it 's coming uh, being funded by an internet you know billionaire um, and his goal is to have a manned mission to Mars by two thousand and eighteen. And uh, they find out, though, that the simulation is being run in an effort to keep it realistic and to prevent anyone from being able to just walk out or in. Uh, It is in a closed-off atmosphere, and the five, well, now four astronauts have been there for six months, and the atmosphere around the shuttle has been filled with noxious gas, so you have to use spacesuits to get in or out. Castle is extremely excited about this. His <laughs> his uh, boyish charm comes through, and he he's very eager to put on a spacesuit and go walk around. And he pretends he's you know walking in lower gravity and all the other things. And and Beckett and Esposito, who are with him, are trying to be serious and are just kind of disgusted with him, which. Uh, you know, they are dealing with the murder. <laughs> Some serious stuff has happened. But he's just overwhelmed with with giddiness, at uh, pretending that he is in outer space. And he, he confesses that he even tried to sign up for this manned mission to Mars. He put his name uh, into the ring, which upsets Beckett because they, they were dating. She's <laughs> like, when did you do that? He's like, oh, we were fighting. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, but we find out later. We find out later that Beckett also had thrown her hat into the ring and <laughs> applied to go on a mission to Mars at the same time when they were fighting because they are both very fascinated with outer space and with space travel. Uh, so they, it is um, just Beckett and Esposito and Castle have gone on to start the investigation. Uh, she has said that she's going to have to shut everything down because... There's obviously been a murder here. It is kind of uh, an homage to the Orient Express where it, you know there was a murder in a setting where all the suspects are right there. The, there's four other astronauts. Um, they have to assume because no one is allowed in or out. It's all security monitored. Every access point has passcodes. No one's been in there for six months other than these five people. One of them committed the murder. One of the four remaining astronauts committed the murder. She says she's going to take them all out to, uh, to go question them. And the billionaire who is running the thing, says, you can't, like, all my data, all of my, you know, this is too big. The, this is, we need all of the information that we're gathering, and we need to continue doing this. And she's like, I'm just going to go get warrants and shut this whole thing down. He said, my lawyers will keep you tied up for for months and months, for years, before I let you shut any of this down. But if you just work with me, I will let you have full access, but we can't take the astronauts out, which is... <laughs> I guess the that's how they they make it so they have to keep wearing spaces. Like they're, in reality, there's no reason <laughs> that this whole thing would be shut down with a murder, and immediately the thing would be combed over by everyone. But it's a TV show, so we just go along with it's it. It's not a documentary film, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, as they're now searching for for suspects, they question everyone, and they're like, "We got internal trackers. There's a computer that talks. That is named. Is it Mira? Is that the name of the? It's a Siri type computer that is running their their, their mission. Was it?
1: I want to say. Angela, do you remember the name of that computer?
2: Oh, man.
0: I, want, I should have written Mira. Down. I, think I think you're right. Mira. I
2: think Mira sounds good. <laughs> and she
0: says, you know, everyone was exactly where they said they were during the murder. Uh, there's no way any of these people could have been the ones to commit the murder. And as uh, back out at the, the mission control setting, one of the, the computer people is looking and says, look, we've been hacked. Someone actually uh, put in some new, new commands in our security override. So someone maybe could have entered. And as they try and trace it back, they realize that it is someone who had... Had been up for the pilot position in this this mission and had been rejected, and he was angry at the time that he was rejected from the mission. So they go and question him. He says, "I've got all these alibis, and all his alibis check out." Uh, but it did look like the call had come from them. So then they look at the security footage and they they see that someone else uh, had gone up towards his apartment and maybe used his wireless router to um to to do the hack uh, to so that it would look like it was this disgruntled former potential employee. And they trace that guy back to, I'm trying to remember. The right. competitor. To the competitor, right. Okay. Through this, they now find out that there's a rival billionaire that is right. also trying to do his own mission to Mars. This is
1: the mission that Beckett had had uh, applied for. Right.
0: And this the one rival. is coming from a, a British billionaire, uh, kind of like the uh, the style of the guy who runs Virgin Airways, right? Yes. And, uh, I mean, all of these are have analogs in the real world. The the you know the race for for private space flight. All of these things have analogs, and uh, they find out that the disgruntled guy was uh, had been paid off by um, by the rival to try and get some more information. So <laughs> so convoluted, yeah, this is very convoluted. <laughs> And this
2: episode had quite a lot in it. I yes, say. it's a loaded
0: one. And, oh, he says, uh, look, I was trying to get back in, but I never did. Uh, like, all my real alibis, those were real alibis. I never actually did it. And they're like, well, then, uh, you know, could anyone else have gotten in? He's like, well, not through what I was doing, but it's like a bank vault. There's all the reasons why you shouldn't be able to get in, but if you want to badly enough, someone will find a way. So they go and look underneath it, and uh, underneath the... The simulation place, and they they in some of the tunnels they find evidence that someone's been down there they see what they think is a uh uh, and it, well, Castle thinks it's an alien. <laughs> Beckett everything's an alien, but Castle oh, thinks yeah, it's, it really it's like Martian like an life alien. form. But yeah. she gets kind of freaked out. Yeah, she gets a little freaked yeah. out. But uh, and they chase it, and they realize it was someone wearing a gas mask, so that they could have entered through these access tunnels back up into the simulation, and the noxious gases wouldn't have hurt them. And uh, they get some DNA off of this gas mask and realize that it is the husband of one of the astronauts is in there. And at this point, she reveals that she'd broken up with him via email from from within. <laughs> (laughs) the simulation which gave him motive saying that (laughs) from from, from, (laughs) pretend space so he had a motive to be angry thinking that she was in love with the person who's been killed uh but he insists it wasn't him and uh i can't remember what his alibi was he has an alibi it's not him everybody has an alibi.
1: alibi everyone has an alibi but this is classic castle so you you go you come across suspect after suspect after suspect and then everybody has an alibi and everybody's alibi checks out and then in the end, right. You there's a big reveal.
0: Uh, oh, okay. And then one of the other astronauts in there, who they suspect, uh, reveals that it couldn't have been him because he was taking photos to sabotage, or to provide information right. to the rival. <laughs> and in the photos that they look at, to look at the timestamps and prove that it wasn't him, they see that this rover was out, which uh, the computer has been telling them the rover was in its station. The rover was out and is carrying the murder weapon. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> and the, the computer told them the rover wasn't out there. The rover actually could have committed the murder itself. It's strong enough and it has you know, its arm could reach up and have committed the murder. Uh, so the 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 creator, the billionaire, so like, I gotta go talk to my my Mira, my my computer and figure out what's going on. And when they're they're trying to to Make Mira tell them what's going on, and it's doing all these computer logic things to try and resist telling them anything. And they can tell something's up, and he's about to reboot the system when Mira's like, "I can't let you do that," and opens <laughs> the pod bay doors. Or <laughs> no, doesn't open the pod bay doors. It pumps gas in, and, but then they say, "Open yeah, the pod yeah. bay doors!" Gas is like, "Open the pod bay doors!" <laughs> and, and they're all panicking because the noxious gases are coming in, and. um, Suddenly Beckett has the insight, we're not really on Mars, guys. And so she just calls the cops. She just pulls out her cell phone (laughs) and calls Esposito.
2: We're not really on Mars, guys. Yeah. Uh,
0: And Esposito gets them out of there, and they're like, what's this? This is not making any sense. And Castle gets a series, like, the only people who could have made the computer think that the mission was in danger from this astronaut that was killed, so that the computer would then kill him and then cover it up are the other astronauts. And they go in, and Castle says... Um you know we 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 figured it out it has to be all of you have been working in concert to kill him. you didn't want to lose your chance to be the first astronauts in space uh but you didn't want him on the mission with you. he's really annoying, he's been horrible to work with there's all these other reasons you'd want him dead, so you arranged to have him killed uh and they're like you you can't prove this the because when the the gases were coming in the whole computer system got wiped or something, and Castle's like, well actually, you know it as soon as there was a danger of that happening, it sent all of its memory up to a satellite. So we have all of the files of everything that you've done. And so the first one of you that talks is going to get off easier, which is a, it's a classic psychological (laughs) exercise called the prisoner's dilemma where you, you lock the accomplices in different rooms and you hint that the other one's about to reveal things, and they all panic. And even if they've agreed that they're not going to say things, someone breaks. <laughs> and one of them breaks. We don't we, like. This is told to us in the wrap-up that, oh, they broke really quickly. <laughs> and said, in fact, yes, all of them were uh, conspiring with the computer to, to commit the murder. And then we get a CODA scene back home where Castle's ready to have a family council to say, look, we're, we're too cramped, it's too crazy, we're going to kill each other because uh, this apartment has too many people running around in it. And the mom comes in and says, don't worry, I'm moving out. Uh, you know, I'm, Castle's mom. Yes, Castle's mom says I'm going to be moving out, and she leaves. And at that moment, Castle and Becker are like, "Oh, it's kind of lonely. It's too quiet. You know, we need we need company." And so they they go out on the town to be around people. So uh, we end with you know one of the themes uh, is about like containment and and being too close to people and how that can drive you insane. But also we need we need other people simultaneously. All right, how was that for a recap? Did I cover all the main points? Wow. That was I'm, impressive. I'm very impressed. I did not <laughs> No give, notes. I did not give any names of any of the other characters because I could not remember <laughs> any of the
2: suspects. <laughs>
1: I'm totally impressed.
2: You remembered Mira. That's the only thing you needed to remember.
0: Right. Uh what I, I mean, Mira is obviously an allusion to both like our current Siri, but uh Hal from two thousand one Space Odyssey. There's so many references to sci-fi yes. tropes yeah. and films. Star Trek gets name dropped, Alien gets name dropped.
1: Well, and uh, the the title, right? The wrong stuff.
0: The wrong stuff is yeah. From the right stuff. right stuff. Yeah. So lots of uh, references to to space narratives in oh, popular culture. Two
2: thousand one as well. Yes. yes.
1: Wow. There's a. <laughs> there's just so many cool things to talk about with this episode. I'm really excited to kind of dig into this. But um, uh, so uh, Angela, what are your favorite moments? Your favorite castle moments in this? In this episode, you chose this episode. I did. So why did you choose it?
2: Well, you know, uh, it actually aired right around the time when I was trying to think of what the best episode would be. And as soon as I thought, um, excuse me, as soon as I saw it, I thought this is exactly the right episode. And the reason I thought that is because it has a little bit of everything in it. Um, It has so many things related to Castle's kind of geekiness, right? It has space travel, it has renegade machines, it has conspiracy, twisted plots, aliens, all of these things that really put Castle in his element. It also has a lot of really great moments between Castle and Beckett, where they show not just their chemistry, but the different aspects of their personality that complement each other um and finally one of the things that I really love about Castle is how paradoxical his character is and I thought it really brought out a lot of those different sides of Richard Castle um as far as some of my favorite moments um Definitely the scene where um, he's helping her climb into the air ducts and <laughs> the mysterious creature comes out um, and she she kind of yells out, it's not an alien. And he said, did that look human to you? She said, well, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this happens a um, lot. This happens a yeah. lot in Castle where mm-hmm. um, like every once in a while there, there will be uh, – usually it's at Halloween time. There will be a Halloween episode where there's some, like, haunted house. There's a ghost. There's a there's,
0: vampire. There's a
1: vampire. It looks like there's something supernatural. And Castle just desperately wants to believe in the supernatural. And Kate uh, Beckett does not. She's very logical. But there's something um, just, like, mesmerizing, kind of captivating in his imagination mm-hmm. that he sucks her into it. And she there's always a moment where she gets kind of, Freaked out, also,
2: <laughs> yeah, and we totally she, see that. she kind of starts to succumb to his theories a little bit, yes you know, just temporarily, and I think you can't help but compare them to other power couples in television, and obviously the first one is Mulder and Scully, uh-huh. right, um, and he does point out um in this episode, so I guess Mulder that... was
0: always right. <laughs> <laughs> That's in true, case, that, that, is, that never is a right.
1: difference
2: book from... Well, I don't know he's never right You're being a little hard on him there but... No, well, the, like
1: the best case scenario for Castle In these in these supernatural ones Is is like an open ending well, Which they've done occasionally Like the time travel
0: one <laughs> The yes. left open mm-hmm. ended The time traveler one Where the guy disappears And everyone's kind of like oh. <laughs> <But> It doesn't <laughs> prove anything But it doesn't disprove Whereas usually he's disproven entirely Yes
2: Well, his ridiculous theories are pretty much always wrong, but they always contain just the right amount of truth that solves the case. So I think that's, well, and he points out actually in this episode that she's a sci-fi geek as well. And I really like those moments where he reveals that there might be more to Kate than we know that. Um, he is privy to because they have an intimate relationship. And I think they've been doing more of that on the show lately where they reveal that she is also a fan of some of the things that he's a fan of, but she kind of hides her own geekiness behind her very analytical mind and her coolness and all of these things. So I like that he kind of breaks down that part of her and reveals different sides of her character as well.
0: Cool. Um, I was going to say in that, the moment that you were referencing, when they're down in the tunnels, there's, I mean, and you already referenced that there's these paradoxes within Richard Castle, but he starts to pat her down, and she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm checking for bites or scratches to see if you've been impregnated." <laughs> uh, which it's one of those moments where you're like, "I don't know how serious he's being. Like, is he goofing off, or is he actually concerned for these? <laughs> Maybe things? He and, is. in these, in, in all these sci-fi episodes or, or the uh, supernatural style episodes, there are those moments where he's kind of riding this line: is he is he performing for Beckett's sake, like being goofy on purpose, or is he really like his hope is taken to the point where he's gonna, you know, he, but he's just, like, "I just need to double check." Make but the sure best the in that is, is when she says.
1: <laughs> Do you remember her follow-up?
0: It was, uh, if you think that's how I get pregnant, <laughs> we're going to need to have another time. <laughs> we're going to need, need to have another time. <laughs> Which this episode did also, I mean, there was that moment. And later on when uh, the mom, when Castle's mom is leaving, it says she's going to move out of the apartment. One of the reasons she says is like, I'm, you know, little castles are going to be coming along. So you're going to need the space here. So they're starting to drop some hints that, you know, they may do what has doomed so many other TV series (laughs) and try and introduce a child at some point.
2: Well, I don't know. Bones is still going strong. So yes.
0: That one, that one wrote it out.
2: You never know. You never know. Uh, One of the other paradoxes about him that I really like um, is that he's not afraid to look weak and the show is not afraid to make him look weak, but he's by no means a wuss. Right. So, you know, he's, jumping in fear at the thought of there being aliens or, you know, other things out there, but he always ends up running toward danger with Beckett and he mostly comes out winning, um, or even saving her in some cases. Uh, and there was some of that down, down when they were in the tunnels or wherever they were there.
1: One of the things that I've really enjoyed about this podcast is the balance that we have and talking about, um, just talk, just talking about great characters and great stories. Um, and with all of the issues with the way that women are represented in film and literature and TV, and they're, like, uh, millions of examples and well-documented, and it continues to be an issue. Um, but it seems like, especially recently on TV, there have been a lot of men that just come across as sort of silly and um, and weak and... And they need, a, like, a strong woman to come in and save them. I love Beckett and Castle's relationship because, because yes, ba- yes, exactly what you said. Yes, Castle is silly. And, yes, sometimes he sort of shrieks uh, if he sees an alien. <laughs> but, um, but this is a guy that would, like, go to hell and come back for her um, and has on occasion. Uh, but not because she's, like, some damsel in distress. Just because he loves her and because... He's a dedicated now husband, and and he would do that, and she would do the same for him, and has done on lots of occasions. And it's not a case of that one is stronger than the other; they're just different, and they complement each other so well. And it's cool to see a relationship like that.
2: They're I- really able to pull it off, you know. They, I think, the creators of the show uh, chose a very challenging uh, couple to portray because they're both very strong, successful people. And um, at the beginning, it seemed like they had very few weaknesses, and I thought that was going to be kind of an issue. But as they went forward from the beginning of the of the show, they've really, I think, succeeded by revealing their weaknesses while still keeping around the things that make them both strong in different ways.
0: And the way the uh, a lot of times the weaknesses aren't, you know, something that makes them incapable in their professional lives it just messes with their personal (laughs) with their personal lives it's things they have to overcome in their own relationships with each other is often the obstacles or the weaknesses that they were seeing because like todd said they're both incredibly competent uh in i mean castle instantly is a really good detective (laughs) (laughs) Uh, perhaps you're unrealistically so uh but he's successful as a writer she's obviously a very successful detective um and i mean they're okay They've stopped a lot of murderers <laughs> in their time. <laughs> in their seven seasons on, on the show. An awful lot of murderers. And their success rate is really staggering. <laughs> um, Unprecedented. Except for every other one of these style of shows. Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh but yeah, but um like I said, we as we kind know these characters, we've seen that they're not they're not perfect. They 're not you know paragons of of competency uh, in in everything, um, but so much of what we see and their growth again is coming in in their interpersonal relationships i mean Castle we find out has you know been married and divorced multiple times he's <laughs> He's he's not great at long term relationships, and the longest, healthiest relationship he's probably had at this point is with Beckett, uh, and she obviously was uh, early on very closed off and not interested in a romantic relationship with Castle. And she, when they started to kind of have an on again, off again kind of uh, romance, she she told him about all the issues that she has, and we've seen those. And they, but together they've overcome them and become stronger people.
1: I love, um, I, I I mean I. I... I think it's. I think I get this from my dad, who, um, when I was growing up, would at night would watch um old Perry Mason episodes on TV. And um, but I really love great detective fiction and TV, um, and I've seen a lot of of stuff. And I would put Castle like high up on my list of great uh, uh, detective shows on TV. And one of the reasons why is because of this—I think probably the reason why is because of this relationship between Beckett and Castle. Um, And the thing that kind of just never ceases to amaze me is how long they've been able to keep this relationship interesting and the ways that it has evolved um, in—I mean, my counterexample is Psyche, and maybe the geek gods will strike me down for this, but, like, I got bored with Psyche after a while. There's, there's this whole, like, will-they-won't-they, 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 they, and that's kind of fun for a while. And then they do, and then it, the whole thing just fell apart. Like, they, like the writers of Psych, I don't think they ever figured out how to keep uh, this couple together. And for me, it, it just didn't work. And every every season of Castle, it seems like they reinvent um, this relationship, and there's some new thing, and it's not about... I mean, right now, they are in a totally healthy, like, stable Relationship. They love each other. This is not about like will they stay married, um, but they find new ways to make it interesting. And I really, I just really like it. I mean, I love. I'm really glad that it's not like every single episode that they're fighting with each other again. And this is a horrible idea. And maybe they'll get divorced. Or I I don't know. I just I love the way that their relationship has evolved. And it's different now. If you look, think back at like season one or season two the way that these characters have evolved over time is pretty staggering, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But that the series continues to be as good as it is, is I think a tribute.
2: And I, I agree with you. I don't think that it is just something that has to do with them being a man and a woman, Mm. you know, I mean, there's definitely chemistry there for sure, but I don't think that's what makes them a good couple. Um, for a detective series because you know, there are other couples that have something like this and actually, um, a show with a very different tone, but I think pulls off the crime solving couple in a similar way. Can I guess what you're going to
1: say? Are you going to say bones?
2: Everybody one,
1: two, three, (laughs) Bones, Sherlock.
2: Oh boy. Those are two very good examples. (laughs) Are Are you
0: thinking elementary or Sherlock? I'm thinking Sherlock, Sherlock. Okay elementary also
1: <laughs> okay go ahead angela sorry well,
2: <laughs> you may have better examples than i do but um, no sherlock definitely is a good one and bones but you know to in a male male relationship i think this can be done too right mm-hmm. is my point like i would say ncis los angeles i don't know if you haven't seen watched it. much of that show but um, that one has a partnership between two men and their names are um, G and Sam. And they, I think the basis for what makes it work is the kind of banter that they mm-hmm. engage in. You know, that they clearly care about each other and would always defend each other to the death. But they also tease each other and give each other a hard time. And it keeps the relationship very light. And I think that's what Castle does as well. You know, they they have a lot of um, teasing that goes on between the characters. And not just um, Kate and Castle, but, you know, also Ryan and Esposito. They care about each other very deeply. And the show portrays that. But they also don't take each other too seriously as well. And I think a great uh, scene that showed this in this episode was near the beginning uh, you were talking about his giddiness, Castle's giddiness upon <laughs> uh, very uh, inappropriately <laughs> coming up on the crime scene. Um, and when he was pretending to moonwalk <laughs> yeah, this is kind of over, of over the scene and he says, one small murder for man, one giant mystery for mankind. <laughs> and he kind of whispers it and Kate turns around and says, you know when you whisper, everyone can hear you. <laughs> they're, right? they're all on radio. Yeah, they're all yes. hooked up by radio. <laughs> so I have a question about I have
1: a question about tone for both of you, and it's something that I'm trying to work out in my own um, crazy head. But um, so <laughs> Castle is is absolutely giddy at like the prospect of coming across these murders. There are episodes of Castle that can be pretty heavy, right? Um, but generally speaking these especially these kind of mid-season episodes these classic episodes he is like like a kid in a candy store he's so excited About murders and especially murders in strange places or under strange. Gets to weave his conspiracies.
2: Yes, and he He really kind of bounces up and down and wrings his hands. Yes, this is the best
1: murder ever. Like
2: he gets so excited,
0: (laughs) which everyone in the room should be appalled at him when he does those
1: (laughs) sorts of things. Right. So, but I'm thinking about another episode. Have you seen the series Wallander? Have either of you seen Wallander? I have not. No. So Wallander is this BBC. it's a detective series, and the it's um, the protagonist is a guy named Kurt Wallander. It's based on um, on a series of Swedish uh, like noir kind of detective is this the, novels, uh, and Kenneth it's Brana? Kenneth Branagh is okay. the I've heard of them but I didn't Kenneth see Kenneth Branagh is the detective, and this guy is so he's like uh, he's he's Castle's alter ego. He is so devastated every single time there's a murder. And and he drinks and, like, has all kinds of family problems. And he is just so, like, so disgusted with his job and, and, and it's society and, like, how horrible people can be. And it's so deep and, like, so full of emotion. Um, and I love it. Like, it is sad. It is, it is as sad and as, like, heavy as, as, as a show can be. Um, and but there's but I really like I really like it and I like the like I love Wallander's humanity. Um but it doesn't it, it, it like it it doesn't prevent me from from like reveling in Castle's giddiness and I don't know what to make of like <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Um I don't know if I should be appalled. Uh <laughs> or I don't know, like to to put these two series like in in contrast with each other and to think that I could enjoy both of them seems weird, but I don't know.
2: You know, I I think both of them are in some ways true representations of how professionals react to those kinds of things. Right. Um, I haven't been a law enforcement officer myself (laughs) or a detective But um, I did used to work in television news and was around a lot of people, reporters and photographers who had to see a lot of very kind of grisly or very sad stuff all the time. And you, you can't really do those jobs long term unless you're able to step back from it and not just be completely torn apart and distressed every time if you do if
1: you do if you don't do that then you turn out like wallander
0: i I remember (laughs) totally messed up um there's a series from the 90s that was called homicide life on the streets and i've i've seen a number of the episodes certainly not the whole series but there was one episode that i remember because it had robin williams in a serious role and he was the father of a child that was murdered and there was a scene that has stuck with me and i cannot remember anything else in the plot but there's a scene with him and andre bauer uh, Who is a, a great actor, and uh, he was—I want to say—the police captain, or you know, he—he he was one of the officials at the police station. And when Robin Williams was there at the police station, and he was giving some information, he heard two of the cops that had been at the scene, um, and they, they, one of them made a joke about something that was happening at the scene. And Robin Williams just flew off the handle and just was yelling like, "That's my child that you—you you just told a joke about! Like my life has been torn apart." And Andre Bauer like grabbed Robin Williams and pulled him into his office, and he said, "Look." They're going to do everything that they humanly can to find the person who did this, but they could not handle their jobs if they felt the weight that you're feeling right now every day uh, because they, they would not be able to function any longer. They know that you're devastated and they know that this is a serious thing they're dealing with, but they have to have some outlet where, to help them be able to handle this. Um, and so yeah the ones we're talking about are opposite ends of the spectrum you know when Homicide of Life and Street was dealing with a moment that's kind of both, giving you both uh, scenes and it's all about tone. It's all about delivery. Like, we forgive Nathan Fillion for being giddy
1: (laughs) about a murder because he's
0: got this boyish charm about it. His immaturity, while he's at the same time really competent as a detective, is shining through. And we kind of take pleasure in in his giddiness. Like, it's fun for us as viewers to see that, even though it's dealing with a serious subject. And um, it's a weird balance that the show castle rides because sometimes they do pull back like with those serious season long story arcs at the beginning and end of the seasons. A lot of times we get that more somber, dark, I wonder, dark tone if that, I, have,
1: I wonder if that has to do with the success of the series, the way that they balance those two things because, um, cause there are definitely intense and heavy and emotional moments right. in, in, in the thing. So I have two thoughts. One thought is, uh, this takes me back to our discussion about Mary Tyler Moore and uh, chuckles bites the dust, and um, this idea of, of being able to laugh in the face of you know, and that that laughter, I think, is laughter is really important in really hard times. It also reminds me of um, so uh, I there was there was a time in my life where I was working with um, a lot. I was working in a religious environment that was like the most the most sacred kind of religious environment that you can be in, in the LDS church. And, um, and it's, it's this place where everything is supposed to be sort of somber and you would never expect for people to joke about, um, about these like very serious sacred things that are happening. Um, And never have I seen people that were like, would make jokes about things. And I would be kind of appalled, but like when you live your life just surrounded, I mean, these are people that just ate and breathed and slept uh, this this atmosphere all the time and they needed to have humor too and like everybody needs to everybody is going to find something to laugh about or they're going to go crazy and so um like why can't a detective do the same thing um but i don't know i just think it's really what well, I, I, I was going to say that, oh go ahead angela <laughs> i
2: was just going to say that i think part of why we don't feel uh guilty kind of watching his giddiness and enjoying it is really that he Nathan Fillion sells it really well because not just he sells the giddiness really well but he sells it because he also sells the seriousness really well right he's spinning these Um, theories
0: in an effort to to solve it
2: yeah and there are a lot of moments um in this episode and even more so in other episodes, I think uh, the ones you described near the beginning or ends of the arcs um, where you really see him connect with people or you see him being deeply moved by things. Um, And I think those are the moments that make you know that it's okay when you laugh at something that he's doing, right? Because he genuinely cares about these people Um, and he, really wants to help them, not just for his own entertainment, which is kind of part of the arc of the show, right? That he starts off at the beginning of the series as being this rich playboy who you think, oh, he's this very successful mystery writer. He wants to just, you know, get his kicks at the with the detectives because he's bored. And it takes him a while to win people over and have them not think that about him right to know that he's genuinely interested in helping in the same way that police officers are genuinely interested in helping people
1: you can tell that he cares about humanity Mm -hmm. he cares about he cares about people i was gonna say also
0: these uh these fun ones they're the ones with the disposable side characters all of the serious ones deal with the main cast that hit home for castle and for us as viewers because we know we're never going to see any of these astronauts again
1: crew member number six
0: right um (laughs) but all the serious story arcs i mean i think every member of the team at some point has been accused of murder (laughs) like has been the prime suspect yes and one of these and those are the serious episodes where you get fewer of the crazy theories and you get fewer of the uh of the uh, um, you know the the light moments because this is more serious for them because this is you know the Robin Williams this is my you know my child is what we're talking about I don't want to hear any jokes about this and for us as viewers we don't want to hear jokes when Beckett is really in danger or when Castle is being accused of murder um, we and so we get those those tonal shifts when it is in the arcs that have more significance for the characters that we have the most connection to and we're allowed as viewers and we allow Castle to have his giddiness and for us to enjoy that when it yeah. is these uh ones that we've been set up to kind of be like the red shirts and star trek where you know these are not significant characters that we're supposed to uh feel an emotional connection to so castle can have fun with the the plot because the characters themselves are not as deeply sketched out for us and so castle's not having fun that this person who was kind of briefly a jerk at the beginning of the episode is dead he's having fun because oh i get to pretend i'm on mars right. you know that's where he's having fun with uh fun with the situation
2: I think another thing that contributes to us being very comfortable with his role and the way he reacts to things, um, is that we're able to connect with him through one of the other castle paradoxes, which is that he's this rich playboy who has all these connections and all this charm, but he's also a very domestic devoted dad. And that's part of the episode that we haven't really talked about very much yet, um, but, you know, he's a romantic and he also um, is very defensive when it comes to his own daughter. Um, and I think the domestic scenes are some of those places where we get to connect with him on a more serious level. And where we get to see his very human feelings about things. And I was worried, actually, when the show started that it would be hard to connect to his character because he was so perfect, right? He was very rich. He was very successful. There was nothing he couldn't get. He he has all these expensive toys and games. He he is basically living the geek dream, right? (laughs) Um, But you see that he actually has all these vulnerabilities and all these insecurities and that allows you to access him as a character. And I think this is something that Nathan Fillion in particular has always done really well. Um, For example, bringing up Firefly again, that's what made him so successful as this captain leader character was the fact that he pulled off that position of power and leadership while still being able to reveal the weaknesses and the insecurities and uh, worrying about when he was doing the wrong thing or when he had done the wrong thing.
1: That's a really good point. I, uh, I love his relationship with his daughter and his mom. It, just, yeah. it feels so genuine.
2: Those are some of my favorite moments. I think, and the realities of family life, even yeah. for people who are very wealthy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I was just looking at the I was just looking at the list of um, episodes from this season and noticing that um, the wrong stuff, uh, this episode that we're talking about, which is, I, I think, uh, probably on the for sure on the I would say like on maybe on the far silly end of. Of Castle, I mean the the like moonwalking and the they're like really great laugh out loud moments, and it comes right on the heels of this two parter resurrection and reckoning, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like as dark and intense uh, as it can be, and so um, yeah, the series
0: is giving us a little palate cleanser. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: (laughs) and and I think especially, and maybe, I mean, going back to, like, talking about Wallander, which is a BBC series, and they do these long, like, 90-minute, three 90-minute episodes in a season, uh, a la uh, Sherlock, um, where your palate cleanser is, like, you only have to watch three of these things, and then you can go watch something else for a while, or, like, not watch (laughs) anything. For two years. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for two years while they're working on their next season, Uh, but with Castle, because it's so, like, continuous – uh, I think that they really do need to um, do something different with tone and, and play with tone in different ways um, that they, you couldn't get away with. I, I mean, anyway, but I just was noticing that this comes right on the heels of that.
0: All right. Well, Angela, was there anything about this particular episode that stood out for you for as far as Castle's character?
2: Hmm. Let me see. Anything other than some of the things I've... Point it out. Let me think about that for a second. Okay,
0: Sorry. I would just say. I mean, the things that we've already touched yeah. on his, his yeah. absolute this, his obsession with uh, pop culture, and then also with weaving these these conspiracies. This gives you all of those in in heavy doses. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he drops so many different references to to geek <laughs> culture. And we are we are getting close
1: to wrapping had, up, so you don't so you don't well, have to have anything if you
2: don't. <laughs> I have a question. Does that yes. work? Yeah, I have sure. a question for you guys. Um, I've been thinking a lot uh, after watching this episode because it showed off so many of those paradoxes uh, in Castle. Like his sense of childlike wonder and excitement. um, You know, that he's very smooth, but he's also very awkward. He's kind of a Maladroit, but he also responds at very opportune times and saves the day. Um, and I was wondering if you think that Kate has some of those paradoxes as well, or her own paradoxes. Um, whether you think she is as well-rounded of a character as Castle, I think
1: that um, I think that Kate is. Uh, But we don't see – there's so much of Kate Beckett that we don't see in the series. Um, And there are just – she'll, like, hint at things. Like, oh, yeah, I used to ride a motorcycle. Or – and she she's very – she's, like, the the master of these kind of offhanded remarks, Mm -hmm. especially before they were married, where she would say something kind of offhand, and Castle would look at her like, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe you just said that. Like sh- there's so much there's so much mystery around her and her past and who she's been uh but I think it's something it's one of the reasons why he's attracted to her. Um not just because they're opposites, but also because they share a lot. Um but I mean the series is called Castle. Yeah, and he wears and... everything
0: completely on his shirt sleeve yes, and she's absolutely. much more guarded and keeps her her personal life, even with now her husband, is still you know she's still keeping it very personal.
1: And there and there's more, I think, because because they're married. I think that there's more that they share because they spend so much time together. And um, but oh, there's there's an episode when they're it's like night and they're gonna they're getting ready to go to bed and she like comes out of the closet and she's dressed like in uh, cosplay for some. <laughs> For some old sci-fi series. Some old sci-fi series that she had loved, and, and it's like what? <laughs> like there's, but but I think that rather than sh- kind of showing showing her um, her depth and roundedness, roundedness uh, on her sleeve, like they do with Castle, I think that the writers have just chosen to uh, show her this. Sh- sh- tell us, there's more to her than we know. Um, rather than telling Let us, just this guesses. is this is every this is everything you need to yeah. know about her. That we just know that there that she's deeper than than um, always comes across.
0: All right. Well, I think we've had a really good conversation, uh, Angela. One question I like to give guests. Uh, before we go, cause our podcast is all about just great characters, uh, that we all love. Um, and it, I know this is going to force you to do it off the cuff and you're just going to have to tell us what comes to mind. <laughs> uh, it's the dinner party question. If you could have a dinner okay. party with any few pop culture or, you know, just, just fictional characters, who would you want to invite to your house for a dinner party to hang out with for a few hours?
2: Hmm. How many do I get to choose?
0: Uh, let's go three,
2: three, three to five. Okay. Three to
0: five. Todd says, <laughs>
2: Well, of course, I'll say Richard Castle, right? Because I'm hoping he would bring me a really great gift. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like he would, Um, and he could also um, break the ice around my second guest, who would be Sherlock, who is not nearly (laughs) uh, as socially uh, competent. Sherlock,
0: or which version of Sherlock? Uh,
2: Definitely Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock. Um, He's not nearly as socially competent. As Richard Castle, and so I think they complement <laughs> each other well.
1: Can you imagine um, how giddy Castle would be if he showed up at a dinner and Sherlock Holmes was there? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be beside himself.
2: And oh, one more. I wonder who. Give me one second. One second. This is not from a mystery show at all, so it's going to be a drastic change of tone. But I would want uh, Mindy Lahiri from the Mindy Project. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be the most entertaining dinner party that wow. anyone has ever had. That's what I think.
0: All right. Well, good choices. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that about wraps up this episode, uh, Angela. I guess real quick, was there? Uh, how can our listeners find out uh, about you? Or is it, do you have some contact or you know online presence for them to go to?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I am on Twitter. Uh, My handle is at A-B-E-C-E-G-A-R. So at A-B-E-C-E-G-A-R. And as I mentioned at the beginning, the website for my podcast, The Human Angle, is humanangle.org. And you should go check it out because our latest episode is on comics.
0: Oh, Excellent. Alright, well thank you all for listening and remember you can subscribe to The Protagonist in iTunes and we would beg you to leave us a review there. It will definitely help us out. And you can find links to everything that we've talked about in this episode. well, show notes and then also a list of all of our previous shows at uh, protagonistpodcast.com And you can reach us at feedback at protagonistpodcast.com with any suggestions or corrections to things we've said uh, or, or questions about things that we've talked about. And you can find all of us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow at protagonistpod or at Todd K. Mac, And I am at Jay Dorowski and our producer Andrew is at at Andrew underscore Durowski, And all of those spellings can be found at ProtagonistPodcast.com <laughs> uh, Thanks again for listening and we love any feedback or comments that you have and join us again next week when we'll talk about another great character and another great story. So long.
1: So long. So long. So long. This was so
2: much fun. I'm jealous of your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Can I have it? (laughs)